Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Okay, I put that on for selfish reasons. I'm a little tired this morning. It's Monday. That was House of Ohm, Colette, and DJ Heather. And uh, that was track three. That was Rocker's Revenge. Um, lots of great guests on the show. I do want to mention I was uh, viewing the uh, Blaze Bernstein Memorial. It was unbelievable. I'm sure there'll be hopefully some video, uh, some bit, you know, pictures, things like that. It was so touching, so moving. I don't know if you had a chance to, to check it out online or attend locally at the Seagrenstrom. Uh, but if you visit blazebernstein.org, there should be more information how to get involved and blaze it forward. All right, my first guest is Laura Oles. She's joining me to talk about her Claymore Award finals, finalist novel, Daughters of Bad Men. Good morning, Laura. Yes, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm really interested in uh, your whole backstory <coughs> into writing. Oops. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It sounds like could have been me in the studio. Dropping, yeah, dropping that's when things happen, right, as soon as you start. <laughs> we'll blame it on me. Um, so tell me how, what your inspiration for writing Daughters of Bad Men. Well, I actually had the idea for the characters long before I understood what was going to happen in their world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I created the the setting. It's a version. It's a fictional version of uh, Port Aransas, Texas, which is about three hours from here. And over time, I just started imagining different characters. Um, I've always been fascinated with skip tracers and um, people who find missing people because there are so many different paths, and a lot of times, what looks but a story will take you one way, and then you go somewhere else. And that's true in just even in the everyday decisions that people make in their lives. So for me, I thought that was particularly interesting. So I knew, I knew Jamie and Cookie long before I understood what their job would be and what case they would end up getting. Now, was novel writing something that was always nagging at you? I mean, were you doing this as a kid, writing fictional characters? How did it come about? Yeah, I always loved storytelling. I grew up reading, you know, like like many writers, you know, Nancy Drew and a lot of other, um, you know, the different, um, you know, teen-related books. Right. And so I was always a reader. But the writing on the side I did, and I wrote, um, I wrote for the photo industry for about 20 years, and I've always... I've always been compelled to write, and so um, fiction for me was a completely different um, animal to learn because there are so many different moving parts, and there's no one correct way to do it. So there are different ways of telling a story and different ways of getting um, the reader involved in your world, and to that, I found that really fascinating. So, and I've, I've just always loved mysteries. I love the, um, I love the what ifs to it. Mm-hmm. I love how people do different um, things in their life. I mean, you're a photojournalist. Then you switch to novel writing. I mean, it's they kind of complement each other. I mean, tell me about photojournalism. How you got into that? Well, I got well. Originally, I have to I have to credit my in laws for that because my husband and I met in college, and I did not know an f stop from a bus stop. No <laughs> idea. Um, his family were all very accredited professional photographers, and so over time, I learned. Um, we got into the photo industry and started a business that wrote digital photography software. You know, oh, long wow. before Photoshop. And did that over time, and then I started writing for photo industry magazines covering mm-hmm. different technologies and trends and kind of the, you know, when but digital photography was really just coming right. um, into the mainstream. So I did that for a long time and loved it. And, you know, with, with photography, there's definitely a strong storytelling component. Yes. Um, you know, people often say that, you, you know, a, a photo will always tell you the truth, but a photo can also lie. Oh, and yeah. so you see the same thing with your characters, you know, whether it's an unreliable character, an unreliable narrator. Um, they can tell you the truth, but it's through their lens, correct? So right. that happens a lot with photography as well. Right. 
I love how um, in your book you chose the setting that was closest to you. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, just because we've spent so much. It's a three-hour drive for us, and mm-hmm. so, you know, our, I've got three teenagers who, you know, we, they all play year-round sports. We've got a lot of moving parts like most families do. And so if we could ever get away for a weekend, we could just drive down to the coast and spend the weekend there. And it's just a wonderful community. It's only about 3,500 people, nice coastal town, unfortunately, hit horribly by Harvey. They're still rebuilding and, you know, coming back strong, and it's been wonderful to see the businesses grow from there. But just spending so much time there, it just seemed like, I enjoyed that area so much that it just seemed like a wonderful way to continue spending my time there through my imagination. Mm-hmm. I love how you write about complex family relationships. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. You know, I've always... It, families are, are, are so interesting in that, you know, each one of us has our own unique role in a family, and sometimes we bring those dynamics with us when we step out into the world, or even as adults, we move back into a certain time period, and you kind of resume those pieces. And for me, I was really fascinated by what, what happens when you really can't trust your family. Like, you legitimately, they are not your safe place to fall. You're, yeah. you're in jeopardy or in danger some way, and you can't turn to them. And so how do you manage those relationships and how do you fashion a family on your own? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, what Jamie's world looks like. That's really unsettling when you think about it, when you can't trust your own family. It really is. It really is. Yeah. And she's always compelled to want to help, but she knows it's to her detriment to do so. So let's talk about your process. The name of my show is Get the Funk Out. And as I mentioned before we went on, I'm always fascinated with how you stay positive in an industry that's really, really challenging. It, it really is. I love. I love the name, by the way, too. Um, you know, it's. I think being around other writers helps quite a bit um, because I think one of the things writing is a very solitary process. And you know, I didn't really understand. I wrote so long on the side, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have kind of at my own pace, experimenting with you know, learning different ways to tell a story and play, you know, pacing and plotting and just kind of understanding how story structure works that it can be a very isolating thing. And so having other writers in that community that understand what that's like is enormously helpful. So being part of a writer's group, a critique group, um, like I'm a member of Sisters in Crime, which is a nationwide organization, but we have chapters all over the country, um, <laughs> helps it. a great deal. I, I'm laughing. I love the title of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sisters in Crime. It's a great. We have great speakers that come in that talk about everything from forensics to, uh, you know, investigations to help you make sure that your, your writing is authentic and based in, in how procedures are actually done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a great community. So that's probably the number one thing. It took me a while to, to find that, um, to, to find that group, just, you know, partly because I was just, you know, doing like whatever the people are doing, you're writing on the side and yeah. working and raising a family and those kind of things. But it really is an enormous help. And even online, if you can't be somewhere in person, having an online uh, writing group is is great support, and it kind of motivates you when you're down because it's hard sometimes when you're you're writing something and you're stuck and you're not quite sure how it's supposed to work mm-hmm. and having someone else to bounce ideas off of or even just to say, you know what, you can write the next thousand words. You may not love them, but just get them on paper. Right. You know, it's better to have something than nothing. I agree. I uh, recently did the National Novel Writing Month. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. It was great, and I, I was completely obsessed. I was into it, you know, like every day. I'm like, I have to, you know, fulfill this goal. I've got to write. i got to write, and I did it. I have to say, you know, doing any kind of writing is such a great diversion from the everyday life you, you lead, you know. It's just, it's whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction or whatever, it's just so fulfilling. It is, isn't it? And there's something about, I think, doing National Novel Writing Month is wonderful because if you, I don't know if you're like I am and that you tend to criticize a lot as you write, it oh, gets yeah. the editor out of your head. You're like, okay, I can't 
I'm not going to be critical of this right now because I have to get in, you know, these 1,600 words, or if you're going to be gone over the weekend, you have to make that up in advance. And mm-hmm. you're just so focused on getting the story down that you kind of give yourself a little break on the, on the critique side, which is really wonderful because I tend to overthink when I'm writing at times, and so sometimes it's hard for me to get a certain scene down if I feel like it's just not flowing well. And, you, and I've had many people say, you've got to get the bad pages to get to the good pages. That's oh, just part of the process. Oh, definitely. I, I uh, took the screenwriting program here, here at UCI, and I, I've learned, like, you know, you can write 12 pages, and then you realize that the scene um, for the very first, you know, the beginning of Act 1 might begin on page 6. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. But you have to write those six pages to get to that point. Right. And it's hard because you don't want to throw out a few thousand words, but they're not, they're not wasted. That's just part of the path to get there. I had, had that with a short story I was writing, and I really had thought I understood where it was going to go, and then a character showed up, and I thought she was going to have a very minor role. And at the end of the scene, I was like, oh, wait a minute. You know, but I had to get to that point first. So when you say a character showed up, do you, is there one place that you like to write to get inspired and all of a sudden things start flowing, or you write different places? You know, um, Agatha Christie said the best time to write a, to plot a novel is when you're doing the dishes, <laughs> um, which I thought was fantastic because one of the things I misunderstood, I always felt that I think I, you need a long stretch of time to be able to write. And so many people that I know are, are working full-time. They're doing other things. They're, you know, shuffling kids to places. They're, they're on, on the train commuting. And I've learned that I have to write when I can. Right. So that's just... And that's just the way, and that's wonderful in some ways because, again, you get the editor out of your head. So I find that a lot of times when I go for a walk, when I'm working on something, I'll let a story kind of roll around in my mind for a while if I'm, if I'm stuck, um, and that helps quite a bit. And then just, you know, sitting down, and sometimes I'll just write something, and I know it's not the right thing, but I have to get the thing down. Yes. I, I find walking has helped me a lot. Or if I'm traveling, I bring a, a notebook. But isn't it interesting how you start uh, inhabiting your character's body, what they're thinking, what they're feeling? I mean, at least that's what I do. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe your sense of humor comes. Like I've had some people say, like, I caught your sense of humor, you know, in a certain scene with a certain character. And and I think that's that's fun to me because in my mind I'm writing how they see the world. But you can't help but a little part of you, you know, comes into play. Yeah. What advice would you give people who are, you know, looking to do what you're doing? Oh, um... You know, I would say that there's no, don't compare yourself to other people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably my biggest, that's, to me, that's the, the kiss of death because everybody's lives, each person's life is different. Their demands are different. We have all the same amount of hours, but how they're divided up, you know, you have to take into consideration. You can do a lot with 15 to 30 minutes a day. Um, so I would just say, even if you just have a notebook or an idea, just catch things. You know, I've written things at soccer fields. I've written things waiting in line. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of notes on my phone for different things I don't always keep up with, but just to get them down on my notepad somewhere if I don't have a pen and paper with me. Um, you know, just let your mind enjoy the process. And then if you can, if you're writing something, if you can leave yourself a small hint for what's going to happen tomorrow, okay. that makes once you get the chance to sit down, you use that time, you know, much more efficiently because you know where you're going next. That's you don't great. need to know the whole thing, but a little part. Yeah, no, that's solid advice. Now, any last bit of info you'd like the listeners to know about your book? Um, this is the first book in a new series, the Jamie Rush Mystery Series, and um, I've just... I've loved working with these characters. They have a lot of trouble that they're going to get into still, um, and I've just enjoyed inhabiting their world. So I hope other people, if they get an opportunity to read it, will, will feel the same way. And maybe get to know Port Aransas in a little bit of a, of a different way. Sure. Where can people find out more about you? 
Uh, well, the internet. I'm online um, on you know on Facebook and on Twitter at Laura Oles, and so I would love to you know to hear from people if they have any questions. Happy to you know I'm I'm kind of sporadic with uh, with Twitter. Sometimes it's hard to keep up because I won't let myself get online until I get you know certain word counts or certain things done. Right. That's good though. Yeah, it is good. So, but it's a wonderful community. You can find great communities of writers and readers too. So, um, there's some great groups there. Fantastic. Laura, thank you so much for calling in the show. It's been great having you on. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Laura Oles calling in to talk about her book, Daughters of Bad Men. If you missed any part of this, our complete conversation will be up on the blog within an hour or so after I wrap. Show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I'm also on Twitter at Twitter at moms underscore rock. We'll take a little music break, and then I have another guest who's calling in. Um, I'm actually going to be chatting with this artist, Sarah Jaffe, uh, and she's, they're going to listen to her song, Bad Baby. I met her at the She Rocks Awards. We're going to chat after the show, and that conversation will be up on my blog as well. So you are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.